0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen Laberge. This is Mornings with Carmen. Let's review where in the word we've already been this week. So, where in the word are you today on this Thursday, the fourth of January, 2024? Where in the word are you today? We have um, we've been in Jeremiah chapter six, verse sixteen, working on memorizing this verse of scripture. This is what the Lord says stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Jeremiah six sixteen. Do you need some rest for your soul? Do you need some soul rest? We often associate that um, confident calling with the words of Jesus who says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, even rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Again, you will find rest for your souls. Um, Soul rest. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Which just reminds us that every moment of every day, We stand at a crossroads. There's a choice to be made. A choice um, for light or darkness, for good or evil, for truth or lies, um, for faith or fear. What what crossroads are you standing at today? Ask God to lead you in the way everlasting. Ask God for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And who, who is the good way? Who do we know is the one who is good, the one who is the way and the truth and the life. I mean, his name is Jesus. In the days of Jeremiah, um, that's, that's just not language that could have been attached to this, but it is language that on this side of the life and death and resurrection and ascension, the reign and rule of Jesus, it is something that we can confidently say. Ask where the good way is. Well, that's Jesus and walk in it. Walk in it by faith, not by sight, and you will find rest for your soul. Jeremiah 6.16, where in the word have you already been this week? Are you allowing that word to take root in your life, to grow, to produce a harvest of righteousness, to flourish? Yesterday we were in Joshua 1.8, and today we're going to be in Joshua 1.9. So let's revisit Joshua 1.8 as we then read afresh. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which comes from Joshua 1.9. So Joshua 1, eight and 9. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you will be sure to obey everything written in it, and only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And then verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You got to read verses eight and nine together, my friend. You got to read verses eight and nine of Joshua chapter one together. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything in it. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, says the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So if you take God seriously in verse eight, meditating on his word continually that we can know that our lives are aligned with his revealed character and will. If we take God's word seriously in verse eight, if we take God seriously in verse eight, then um, in the very next verse, we need to take seriously that God gives us a direct command to be strong and courageous. Does that seem like a strange command? <laughs> I've always thought that the command to love was a little strange, but the command here to be strong and courageous is a little strange as well, right? I mean, you know, it's like saying to somebody, stop crying. Okay, do not, do not be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Well, that is based on a promise, a commitment, a truth. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Think about that. So what might happen this year, this week, today, the moment, the very next moment, if as we meditate on the truth of God's word, we recognize his presence with us right now? How might that change 2024? How might it change January? How might it change the first week of January? How might it change Thursday, the 4th of January? How might it change the next moment? To meditate on the reality that the Lord, your God, is with you right now, wherever you are, and wherever you go. God commands us to be strong and courageous. He commands us to not be afraid or discouraged. I think those are strange commands, unless, of course, you trust the promise that he makes on the heels of that. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Whatever you face, right now, in every moment from here to eternity— the Lord your God is with you. So how might your day be different? How might your reactions or your responses be transformed? How might your conversations be changed if you took God at his word on this one point? The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, if you got a mirror available, now's a good time to look into it and just consider that fear and discouragement are not God's will for you. God is with you. And that one reality changes everything. When you walk into a situation, God is with you. Um, God may not be the Lord of anyone else in that room, but the Lord of Lords and the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings is your Lord and your God, and he is with you, which means that even if nobody else in the room is a Christian, when you walk into that room, that classroom, that conference room, that boardroom, that emergency room, that courtroom, that waiting room, that control room, when you walk into that dorm room or bedroom or locker room or playroom or dark room or green room or boiler room or hospital room or hotel room, if the Lord your God is your God, Lord of your life, then he is with you. And that changes everything. It should absolutely change the perception of ourselves and that room as we enter into it. So wherever you go today, God is there because God is with you and God is in you by the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. You don't need to fear. You don't need to be discouraged. You can have the quiet confidence of a child of the king entering any room today as an agent of his grace, a minister of his reconciling love, an ambassador of his kingdom, a priest of his realm. That is who you are. Carry yourself as such today. Some uh, Christians have been making their way from around the world to a particular place because they have a particular hope. They desperately desire to live in the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Millions of them have made their way in the past year across the southern border of the United States. And by every measure, it is a humanitarian and national crisis. We talked yesterday about the dual biblical responses of the necessity of a secure national border and the call to hospitality to those who arrive in need. So today we're going to talk with Matthew Sorens from World Relief about how Christians are responding um, on both sides of the border in cities and communities across the country and how Christians are engaging uh, to bring about comprehensive immigration reform at the federal level. This is an issue for each of us and all of us, so we're going to work to apprehend and apply the mind of Christ on this particular issue of our day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. From New York City to, uh, to Chicago, Illinois, to Bellingham, Washington, to Congress and the uh, impeachment of DHS Chief Mayorkas, to the federal government uh, suing um, the state of Texas over immigration. Uh, Immigration headlines abound today, and we uh, recognize there is both a biblical mandate for strong national borders and hospitality to those who arrive in need. So to talk with us about that is Matt Sorens from World Relief and the Evangelical Immigration Table. Matt, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Happy New Year, Carmen. Good to be with you.
0: You have recently been to both Tijuana um, and San Diego, um, visiting church partners on both sides of the border. Wondering if you can just give us, you know, sort of a man on the street perspective of what you um, what you experienced.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right to describe it as as a real crisis at the border. There's just a very large number of people arriving, and I think more than anything, there's a you know, there's clearly some need for a governmental response that is um, to meet that challenge. But I love you asking about what churches are doing, because in the midst of, I would argue, government sort of not doing their job adequately, churches are stepping up in really uh, Christ-like ways. Not every church, of course, but there are lots of often small churches, some big churches too, that are um, really seeking to be the hands and feet of Jesus to really vulnerable people in complicated situations. So, for example, in, in Tijuana, uh, just you know, over the border into Mexico, and I think it's really important to remember that the, the Mexican side of the border actually often bears more of the humanitarian crisis than the U.S. side of the border. The news cameras from the U.S. are less likely to go there, but sometimes when it's quiet in the U.S., it's because things are even more complicated on the Mexican side of the border. Um, but there's a little Baptist church that World Relief has supported and partnered with for a number of years um, that actually started hosting um, migrants back in 2016 when it was a large group of Haitians who showed up and at that time the U.S. government basically couldn't process them in a timely fashion and they didn't speak the language in Mexico. So this uh, particular pastor, Pastor Jose Antonio, um, said, you know, he was reading his Bible and he couldn't couldn't walk by these people on the street and walk into his his, his comfortable home and uh, into his church. And by the way, his church is, you know, it's, it's a cinder block church. It's not like a super luxurious facility, but he said, we've got space here. We could uh, host some people. And that started now about seven years ago. And they have hosted hundreds and hundreds of people, often 30 or 40 at a time, um, for many years now. Um, in fact, Pastor Jose passed away during the COVID pandemic from COVID, but his wife has carried on the, the work there. Um, and it's, I, I was there again, I've been there many times over the years, but just it's always it just inspiring to me to see how this church, and you know they've got their mission statement on the wall, which is drawn from the book of Acts it's to reach people um, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they frame that as well, we're going to reach people in Tijuana and um, people who are a little bit further out uh, trying to get to the United States but need a place to to wait for an asylum hearing or uh, to uh, you know, they're in that process. And they also are supporting missionaries overseas. They're, you know, they're looking at this as a way that they can live out that Great Commission in their own community. And um, to me, that's just really inspiring. And we see similar work with, you know, with churches on the U.S. side of the border as well, who recognize that these are people made in the image of God. Complicated stories. Some of them will qualify under U.S. law for asylum. Some of them won't. A church based. You know, volunteer at the border is very unlikely to be able to determine that um, in their interactions with someone. I, I certainly can't by looking at them or talking to them for a few minutes. But what I do know is they're a vulnerable person sitting right in front of me, and that God has made that person in his image with inherent dignity. And one of the other dynamics that we often find is a large number of them, certainly not all, but many of them will very eagerly tell you that they are followers of Jesus. And so there's many of those folks. And, and that makes sense, um, because it, it's people from all over the world, frankly, but largely from Latin America, which, you know, is a part of the, the world with a, a large Christian presence. Um, many of them will talk about their faith in God, um, having sustained them through often very, very difficult circumstances. Um, one, one of the women um, who the World Relief Southern California team is, is supporting with a good neighbor team from a local church there in San Diego actually was a persecuted Christian in the Middle East. Um, and the, the one country she should get she could get to when she had to leave very quickly because the government there had found her, Um, Well, there's two countries. She could go to Turkey or she could go to Venezuela. That's where she Mm. could go with her Iranian passport without the Mm. time to get a a visa. And she knew that sometimes people get deported from Turkey to Iran when the Turkish government, um, you know, wants to, you know, that sometimes happens. So she went to Venezuela and then made her way all the way up from Venezuela to the U.S.-Mexico border. An incredibly dangerous trip uh, alongside some South Americans and Haitians who were along the same journey, and she spoke about, um, you know, some Haitians actually saving her son's life um, in a river, and um, made it to the border, sought asylum, and eventually, thank God, was granted it. And that's uh, She proved to the U.S. government she had a well-founded fear of persecution on account of her Christian faith. And that doesn't mean her journey is over because it's still hard to adjust to life in a new country, even when you have, um, you know, work authorization and legal legal protections. Um, it's a new language, a new culture. Frankly, for her, even though, you know, she'd only been a Christian a relatively short time, this was a, a new, you know, a profession of faith that got her into trouble. Um, she's still, you know, growing as a believer, but there's been a team from a church, actually from a few different churches there in San Diego that have walked alongside her. And for me that's just, you know, I think we can focus in on on the politics and we should at a certain point. The policies matter. It's important to me both that we have security and that someone like that woman has a has the possibility to find protection in the United States. So we honor our, our legal and moral commitments in that way. But it's also really important that the church not think of this just as a governmental problem. This is something uh-huh. actually that um, that we have a call as the church, as individuals, following Jesus, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to make disciples of all nations. Um, and to honor the the image of God in every hum, human being.
0: So good. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pull that last thirty seconds, um, Matt, and just replay it for myself um, as a really positive reminder of who we are, the complexity of the situation we find ourselves in, but the even more complex situation that let's say the sister in Christ from Iran, fleeing persecution with her son. Um, looking around the world and saying, where, where does a person like me go? And who will yeah. have me? And I, I think, I know, I actually know, it's not just something that I think, like we've lost sight of that. Somewhere along the way, we got so defensive that we lost sight of a sister in Christ from Iran, a new believer for, I mean, a person for whose, whose conversion we've prayed. Um, mm-hmm. A place to which we have sent resources, ministry resources, in order that God would get a witness among a people, um, and then it happens, and a person comes to Jesus, and then because they've come to Jesus, um, they can no longer live in that place, um, or they will die, mm-hmm. um, and and then we say, well, no, they can't come here. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So fixing our immigration system in order that people who have a legitimate claim have the opportunity to come. And my preference would be don't have to make the kind of journey that she had to make. Like my preference would be that our immigration system would work in such a way that a person with a credible claim um, has the ability to come here through a process that is secure and safe and works in a reasonable amount of time um, and doesn't require them to make the journey through Latin America and through Mexico to the U.S. southern border and the chaos that currently reigns there. So I I do I do want a system that works. When we come back from a very brief break, I would just appreciate you giving us a sense of um, maybe what is happening on the immigration reform front and how we can be praying and maybe mobilizing in that direction. We're talking with Matthew Sorens from World Relief and the Evangelical Immigration Table. You can check it all out at EvangelicalImmigrationTable.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with one child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids, find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our uh, conversation with our friend Matt Sorens from World Relief, also, also with the Evangelical Immigration Table. Matt, um, we, <laughs> we have grown frustrated. I'm sure you have grown incredibly frustrated with what we hear um, out of washington dc this is not a biden administration problem this is not a trump administration problem this isn't a republican problem or a democratic problem this is an american problem this is actually a global problem um this this stretches back uh at least a generation in terms of a a system of immigration that has not kept up with the times it's not okay for us to have a southern border policy that only addresses um our you know Southern neighbor, Mexico, and maybe a couple of countries to the south of that. This is a global conversation. Like somewhere along the way, we we lost track of the fact that the world has hundreds of countries and everybody wants to come here. Um, Can you just talk with us about, I don't know, maybe a maybe an update of, you know, where we are and how we could be praying positively toward um, federal immigration reform?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly do share your frustration, Carmen. And I mean, I wish I had secret good news that they're about to resolve this in Congress. But it, this is sort of a, a dynamic that would need a congressional solution, like some laws that would need to change. There need to be some new resources, which requires c- Congress to work. And the way our Congress is right now, that means the Republican-controlled House of Representatives and a democratically controlled Senate need to agree on the same thing. And on so many issues, that's difficult. This, perhaps, more than any. The, the current situation, the House of Representatives has passed a bill that uh, they can that addresses some of the dynamics of the border. Frankly, we have a lot of concerns with that particular bill, uh, World Relief, mostly because of the way it would really dramatically restrict access to asylum. So like the woman I mentioned earlier from Iran would presumably not qualify for asylum um, if those laws, if that bill went into law and had been in effect when she came. Um On the other hand, you have some on on the Democratic side who are sort of say, well, this isn't a big deal. You're, you know, you're overblowing this situation. And I think that that's a mistake as well. There is, I think, I trust to be a good faith effort in the Senate of some Democrats and some Republicans um, coming together, trying to work through what could we agree upon. Um, And I think the frustrating thing there is the House uh, leadership has basically said, well, we're not going to consider that anyway. We have our own bill and that's the only way we could go. And they're also tying it to Ukraine military aid funding, which is another separate important issue. But, of course, it just adds another huge political dynamic um, that is very controversial right now. It's become controversial. Um, and, you know, you're basically at, it, it's becoming very difficult to see a, a congressional solution. But I think that's where, as Christians, we should be praying. We're told in the scriptures to pray for kings and all those in authority. And, you know, that's true whether your member of Congress is someone you like and voted for or someone you don't like and didn't vote for. We should be praying for them, praying for the president, praying for uh, his administration, um, praying for the, the justices of the Supreme Court and federal judges who are then often in the absence of congressional action. You have administrations, the Biden administration doing this, the Trump administration did this, kind of tries to do their own thing, but sometimes in ways that are in contradiction to what the, you know, our relatively old laws actually say. And then the courts come in and decide if they're actually allowed to do that or not. So all of those people need wisdom. and and courage to do what's right, even when it may not be politically advantageous.
0: Okay, so speaking just really quickly and briefly here about the Ukrainian conversation, I remember back in, I want to say like April of 2022, just a couple of months after Russia um, invaded Ukraine and started this war, the United States committed itself to welcoming, I think 100,000 Ukrainian citizens and other people fleeing the Russian aggression in the region um is it true that like as of December of 2023 we've only accepted like 2400 Ukrainian refugees like we committed ourselves to 100,000 and we were all jazzed up about that did we create a process that was so complex that only 2400 people have successfully navigated it like that's terrible
1: well, so that's not exactly right. It's, it, I don't have okay. numbers in front of me, but we that's probably true in terms of refugees. Technically, this is super complicated. But basically, um, the Biden administration is using a separate legal authority and actually has brought in well over 100,000 Ukrainians. OK. Um, with well, something called So that's actually really good. And then one of the challenges, frankly, is the the bill in the House of Representatives I mentioned would take away the president's sort of emergency authority to bring in large numbers of people in an emergency situation like that which is how both the Afghans and the Ukrainians were able to come. And while that process isn't ideal, I'd rather they come as refugees, because then they'd have work authorization the day they arrive. they'd have the support from an organization like World Relief. Um, mm. It is better than not being able to get in at all in a very timely situation. And that's, you know, that's one of the debates that's happening, is should the president have that authority? But actually, we've done a pretty remarkable job as a country of welcoming a very large number of Ukrainians. In fact, the number has not been capped. So if you have a sponsor in the United States... You can file for uh, someone who's coming out of Ukraine. And we've seen a lot of That's- Slavic churches in particular lead the way on helping to get their relatives here, even temporarily, because many of them very much hope and pray to go back, of course, right. if and when it would ever be safe. Um, whereas, like, with the Afghans, none of them have any hope of it ever being safe, frankly. So they're pretty much, you know, rebuilding their lives here for per- on a permanent basis. The Ukrainians, I say it's more mixed. There's many who do hope to go back, many of them left a the husband behind. And then there's others who would love to settle here and, and build their lives here.
0: It's so complex. Thank you for um, thank you for having like a heart for this, and thank you for um, all the diligent work that you do uh, year in and year out. Um, and thank you for visiting with us on this r- really critical topic.
1: Yeah, I always appreciate it. Thanks so much, Carmen.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Matthew Sorens. You can uh you can check out tons of resources for Christians on the immigration conversation at evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. Obviously, to engage personally and with your church with people who are um here in the United States, um uh, worldrelief.org is a is a great uh, a great organization to engage with and have your church engage with as well. All right. So, um if you live in Minnesota, Connecticut, <clears throat> Georgia, Kentucky, Michigan, Mississippi, Montana, um, you uh, recognize that in the past couple of days, your state capitol has been evacuated. Your state house offices um, and buildings have been evacuated um, under all kinds of crazy threats. So what's going on uh, out there across America? And why are we, you know, just like publicly threatening each other? Um, we're going to talk with Kathy Branzell. The head of the National Day of Prayer Task Force about how we can be praying for this uh, this country in the days in which we live. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I start the uh, I start the year with a map and I pray. Uh, across that map for people who, let's say, sent me a Christmas card or people I know are laboring in particular places or spaces. Kathy Branzell is on my <clears throat> Georgia map and uh, and she's with us today. She is the uh, head of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. So really, as I'm praying for the United States of America, Kathy, could, could, she could just, you know, like be the banner over my whole map. But there you go. Kathy, Aww. good morning and happy new year.
2: Good morning, sister. Happy New Year. Thank
0: you for praying for me. You're in my you're on my uh, national map right in the middle of Georgia. Like I got you like right there in the dead center of it. Cuz I got other That's people it. out there on the periphery of Georgia, you know,
2: like around the yep. state and so I just have you right Great. in the middle. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to be praying across America tonight. So what a what a fitting way to start this New Year is to pray across America, right? Okay, tell me about that. What what is I don't know about that. Oh, so on the first Thursday um, of every month, every morning I get to talk to you, and every first Thursday in the evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, we have a Pray for America call, and tonight we will have every single one of our NDP state coordinators who God has put a scripture verse on their heart to um, come on the call and we are going to pray for all 50 states, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. I love that.
0: I love yes. that. Well, we yep. I will commit to be praying with you and for you as you um have that Pray for America call. That is that's amazing. That is awesome. I love that. Um you, maybe you. you could I like first of all, I just I love that there are prayer coordinators. I love that National Day of Prayer is, you know, happens every year, first Thursday of May which means it's coming quickly now that we are in 2024. Right. May yes. is going to come quickly and um, and the National Day of Prayer is going to come quickly. So let's let's be sure that people know how to get connected, how to find an event in their community, or if there's not a National Day of Prayer event already coordinated in a particular community, like how does somebody make that happen? So where where where's the one-stop um, help center for all of that?
2: Yeah, your one-stop, nationaldayofprayer.org. There's your one stop in all things National Day of Prayer. You can find on our website nationaldayofprayer.org. I love that. I love that. So we want to yeah. get um, we want to get
0: equipped, we want to get organized, we want to get connected and you can do that at nationaldayofprayer.org. Let's yeah. talk about um, praying and seeking God in this new year. Um, yeah. I I know you well enough to know that you have some natural rhythms to your life, some spiritual practices that would be a blessing and benefit to the rest
2: of us. So just talk with us about that. Like Yeah, how do we so, pray?
0: How do we seek God in a new year?
2: Exactly. Um, you know, so many times we get caught up in our New Year's resolutions, right? So some of the popular ones, I'm going to gain weight, I'm going to clean out my house, I'm going to Um, get that job, go after that promotion I've been wanting. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you and I talked last month about cultivating a deeper prayer life. So some people, uh, I'm going to cultivate a deeper prayer life. I'm going to read my Bible through all of these things that we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to do. But I'm starting back in the fall, but it's never too late. You can start today. I go and I inquire of the Lord and I say, what do you have new and next? Um, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so I um, will go to scripture and I think about even um, Romans 12, where we are prompted um, to, uh, you know, in, in Romans 12, one, it says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So I'll just go before God and go, Lord, what, um, what is next? What is new so that I live as a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to you? Is there anything in my life that is not acceptable? Thinking about Colossians 3, no, Colossians 1, um, about living a life worthy and a manner worthy of his name, of worshiping him. And so those are some of the places I go because – uh, for many of us, yay, a new year. That's exciting, right? New, new, new. But for for some of us, it might be scary. Like we don't know what this year holds. Uh, 2023 for some of us was really difficult. Uh, for me, it'll always be the year of three, fr- three funerals and a wedding. <laughs> mm. And so we don't know what's coming, but we know the knower. And so we go and sit before the Lord and say, you've already prepared my year. You've already authored my days. Prepare me. Um, And how can I cooperate and submit in this process?
0: Those are such good words. Um, The language of cooperation, the language of submission, yielding moment by moment to the present power of the Holy Spirit, um, meditating on the Word of God, like really meditating on it, you're describing how to do that. Um, you know, it's one thing to maybe know by rote Romans twelve one. Um, it's another mm-hmm. thing to ask the Lord, "What does that mean? That you want me to offer? What What does that? Right. How do How do I translate that into the reality of my life? What does it mean for me to offer my body as a living? Um, sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. What what would that look like? What changes would that require? What would that require me to do less of or more of? And the the conversation about living a life worthy of the gospel from Colossians one that <clears throat> that conversation about worthiness gets back to the worship conversation. Um, is right. it is it is it worthy of the Lord? Um, does it does it measure up, or is it worthless by comparison to the lord yes. um and so, what is worthless that I need to allow God to burn off like chaff right, and what is worthy what what do I need to be investing more time and energy and effort into in order that I might live a life worthy of the gospel um in twenty twenty four You also talk um kathy, and I appreciate this. You talk about like you know beyond the calendar year. We do get a little yeah. fixated. <laughs> we yep. do. We're we're kind of time and space people, we're calendar page turning people, we're list making people. Can you yes. can you talk with us a little bit about how do we seek God beyond sort of a calendar year fixation?
2: Right? Because we can get so caught up in the earthly you know, I mean, God. God created time on Earth for us because we're we're beings that that can't fully fathom eternity and um, and not having the constraints of time or a, a countdown clock or whatever we need. Right? It's just to mark our time here. But we live. We are already, already, all of us eternal beings. Um, everyone has an eternal life. We just. Uh, get to choose how we'll live our life here and who we'll live our life for in uh, determining if we'll accept the gift of salvation and spend the rest of our eternity with him, right? Um, Or in judgment. And so we need to think bigger. We need to think eternal. And what do I want to do not to make a name for myself here on earth, not to collect more stuff, Here on earth but to start living as I'm praying (laughs) on earth as it is in heaven on earth as it is in heaven what does that look like how am I storing up treasure in heaven how am I pleasing my eternal father not just my now friends or critics or whatever the situation is how do we start thinking more about being kingdom citizens than my neighborhood citizens. Does that make sense? Or what's happening in my classroom, what's happening in my workplace to start viewing what happens to me on a daily basis through the lens of heaven and, and through the lens of the word of God, that biblical worldview that we talk about so often And then bring it back to, I am the only person on this planet I can control. The only one. So my expectations, my New Year's resolutions, my whatever, cannot include other people acting or doing something in a certain way. It's between God and me. And so, Lord, you call me to love. Your word says that the world will know I'm your disciple by my love. So, Lord, how can I be more loving? And then we go to 1 Corinthians 13, of course. And if we could just get the first two right, we'd be, you know, a long way down the road. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh, oh, okay. I need to start paying attention in my life when I'm not patient, when I'm not kind. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for that in airports, (laughs) Mm (laughs) Right. Um and and so just start thinking of your your character, your life, your eternity, what you're storing up based on the word of God. Amen. Yeah, amen. I love that. Um
0: you made me think there about new year's resolutions in a little bit different way. Are my new year's resolutions um high res? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like like genuinely high resolution. Not uh right. You know, not sort of the low resolution um, things that we might focus on because they are the things in the here and now. They are the things of temporal reality. But am I viewing them through this like high res lens, through this kingdom worldview, through this, you know, these are the, the, the character and the priorities of the king and the kingdom. And I am here now in this time and place, to bear out those realities, to be a provisional demonstration of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world? How could my commitments, my goals, my priorities for the year um, be advancing those kingdom purposes, not just, you know, whatever, frankly, low-resolution list um, the world might lead me to make? That's just really, really good, Kathy. Let's take a very brief break. When we come back, um, let's— Let's just continue to lift up verses of Scripture as you've been doing. Like, how do I live into um, Romans twelve one or Colossians chapter 1, or Colossians 2, 6 and 7? Therefore, you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having yes. been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. We'll unpack um, verses of Scripture, and we're just going to talk about living them out and walking them out by faith. Uh, our conversation partner is our friend and sister in Christ, Kathy Branzell, who heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Remember, you can find all of your National Day of Prayer um, options and resources at nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Whew, I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I mean— it's a brand new year and I'm already tired. I don't just mean tired. I mean like spiritually tired, soul tired. Maybe you're struggling too. Maybe Christmas didn't all work out exactly like you thought. My friend Susie Larson wants to take us on a journey to explore God's goodness, his healing power, to know his peace that passes all understanding, to draw near to Him. If you want in on that, all you have to do is text the word GOOD to 877-933-2484. Again, you just text the word GOOD to 877-933-2484, and every single morning you'll get a text message from Susie Larson to wake up to the goodness of God. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. (music) what scripture passage um, what scripture verse what scripture theme are you living into in 2024 what does it look like to actually live into and live out what God says in his word um, maybe there is a passage in in the Old Testament maybe you are gonna live into Jeremiah 616 uh, maybe you're gonna you're literally every moment day by day you're gonna stand at that crossroads and you're gonna look and you're gonna ask for the ancient paths and you're going to ask where the good way is. And then you're going to walk in it by faith and not by sight. And you're going to celebrate the rest that God gives you for your soul. Maybe that's the passage you're going to live into this year. Maybe you're going to live into Romans chapter 12. We talked about that um, on our first morning together in the new year. Maybe you're going to live into Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Kathy Branzell is here with us. She heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. This is actually a rhythm and a practice in her spiritual life. So, Kathy, are there um, other verses and passages that come to mind that you're like, that's a good live-into passage?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And you know, you and I have been friends for—thank you, Jesus, forever. You and I have been friends for a long time, so you know one of my practices is God gives me a word. That he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you a lot about concerning this word. Last year, my word was choose. Oh boy, oh boy, oh. I could write a book over what I learned last year about choosing. And this year, my word is forward. So I'm living 2020 forward um, this year, and I love that. And our National Day of Prayer uh, theme verses in Second Samuel 22. Verses 29 through 31 are ones that I'm digging deep in. And and maybe this will help our our friends, our listeners as well. Uh, Verse 29 begins in 2 Samuel 22. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. You know, for, for many people, this may already seem like a dark year. There's a diagnosis. There's a prodigal. There's something that's happened in your family that you didn't see coming Um, somebody's made a bad choice or something has happened by no choice of yours. And all of a sudden it's only the 4th of January and this year seems dark, but Mm -hmm. God will lighten your darkness. And his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And so one of the things I'm focusing on going forward is understanding that there's no leap of faith. When you live um, in the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. When He has said to you, "You are the salt and light." A city on a hill can't be hidden. Um, I don't live in darkness. The darkness may sit on the peripheral, but when God's people, um, God's people are living in light. And so I have to change my mind, change my perspective, and change what I'm talking about. Because I found myself in 2023 with a lot of other people talking more about the darkness, praising the darkness more than I was with light. Um, This Verse 30, for by you, I can run against a troop, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. Um, what troop, what enemies what what feels like it's coming against you right now? Remember by you, God, I can fill in that blank um by my God, I can maybe you don't need to leap over a wall, but maybe there's a mountain you need to climb or a pit you need to be pulled out of, or whatever it is and and remember for those of us who have chosen that we need to lose some weight, we need to go to the gym. This is not, we're not saying those aren't good. Um, By my God, I can get up and go to the gym. By my God, I can eat smaller portions and eat better because our body is a temple to him and we need to steward it for his services. And by God, you can. If he's called you to it, he'll take you through it. And finally, verse 31, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for those who take refuge in him. And so we remember we never, ever are called to go it alone. He never leaves us or forsakes us. We are never, ever alone. And for people who already feel like 2024 is lonely, we need to remember that God never leaves us, that he is always present, that his eye is on the sparrow as the hymn goes, as the scripture says. Consider the lilies, consider the sparrows. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every desire of your heart. He knows every need. And um we live life in his presence. And so that's that is a, a that is a, a dissertation of how you can just take three verses of scripture, pray it out, and walk it out. That is so good. That is, so,
0: that is so helpful. If you're experiencing darkness, recognize that there is light. Um, there is one who is light, and there is a lamp that God provides for us, even the very light of the world. Um, maybe you are fatigued. You feel like you're under attack. Um, God absolutely gives us the power and the strength, the, the wisdom necessary to run against that which opposes us as Christians in the world. Um, literally God is going to make it possible for you to leap over the wall. And this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. God is a shield for those who take refuge in him. So if you are lonely and you are feeling bereft, um, you desire to be shielded, but feel like no one's doing that for you, God stands ready. He stands ready and his way is perfect. And you can rely on him. We know him to be true. So, Kathy, thank you um, so much for 2 Samuel 22, 29 to 31. Those are the National Day of Prayer theme verses. Um, again, you can find tons of resources, including resources related to lifting up this particular part of God's Word and lighting up the world at nationaldayofprayer.org. Kathy, blessings um, on the prayer across America tonight and, um, and blessings as preparations continue for the National Day of Prayer the first Thursday of May. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Love you. Likewise. Likewise. Love you too. Um, Kathy's shared with us her word of the year uh, forward. Last year, her word was choose. God taught her a lot about those words. We're going to talk early next week um, with Vanitha Reisner about uh, having a word of the year, establishing a word of the year. You guys know that over the last few years, I have done that. 2022, my word was purge. 2023, it was peace this year. My word is reconnect. Wondering if you've uh, been thinking about a particular word that God might amplify and open up to you um, in in this new year. You can always communicate with me, 877-933-2484. Text lines always open. We've got another hour together. Next, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support.